Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 3. The band had already started by the time Kaya made it to the venue, but she hoped they were no more than a few songs deep at most. Ski training that afternoon had run late. Then she had wasted another hour in her room, agonising over what to wear and how mad Storm would be if she managed to get out of showing up. But her brother was always her biggest fan, and he'd never missed an opportunity to be there for her. Tonight, it was her job to return the favour. The ends of her hair were still damp and they tickled the bare skin on her shoulders as she pushed her way into the crowd. The space was two levels, with the second story barely more than a balcony that looked down on the stage and people below. Astro Surf, as a club, was designed for the kind of music the Dirty Boogs played. Loud, raucous and disorderly. It thrived on the live scene, but it couldn't fit more than a few hundred punters through its doors, and tonight it was wall to wall. There was a cluster of people crowded around the bar and Kai was grateful she didn't drink alcohol as she was able to weave right past them and towards the stage. She paused when she got to the edge of the mosh pit, not wanting to push any further into the sweaty, heaving mass that was made up of mostly skater boys and surf rats. Despite standing a head or so taller than most of the other women in the room, Kai felt a strange safeness in her anonymity there. Sure, there were a few people who recognised her, but most of them weren't clubbies. They knew her as Storm's sister, not the girl who had killed someone. It was a nice feeling, and Kaya wondered if that had been part of her brother's motivation in dragging her out. The Dirty Boogs were a blend of punk and surf rock, and the band had blown up in the last six months thanks to two spots on Triple J's Hottest 100 chart. As they were old high school pals, her brother had occasionally filled in for their drummer in rehearsals and local legs of the tour. And Storm was in his element tonight, already shirtless and covered in perspiration as he thrashed away, wielding the sticks like weapons. His drumming hobby had driven their mother mad when he was a kid, but Kai was always somewhat in awe of her brother's musical ability. She herself couldn't do more than guess the difference between a keyboard and xylophone if it came down to it. With a triumphant yell, the current song drew to a close and was met by a chorus of whoops and cheers from the crowd. Storm was beaming, his white teeth flashing even in the low light as he soaked up the audience's response. He was reaching for a sip of his beer, tucked just behind his drum kit, when he spotted Kaya from his position on the stage. Despite the fact that she had been late, that she was there by herself and that she'd been so anxious about going, it was all worth it in that moment. She saw her brother's smile grow even wider as he threw a wave in her direction. Kaya felt nerdy about it, but she didn't care. She returned his grin and gave him two thumbs up. The heads of a few girls around her turned to stare at the chick the drummer was giving his attentions to and assess whether she was a threat. Kaya bloody Craig, as I live and breathe. Kaya's body jerked forward as she was playfully whacked on the back. If she'd had a drink, it would have gone all over the people in front of her. She slowly turned around to meet the surprised but excited face of Cabby. 
What the hell are you doing out on a school night? Her friend shrieked. Kai jerked her head towards the stage. Being a supportive sister and all that, you? Storm invited me, but hell, when he said you were coming, I didn't really believe it. Yeah, me neither. But here I am. And looking good, hun. White isn't even a colour and it's your colour. Thanks. Kai laughed, feeling herself blush. You look incredible yourself. All this, Cabby mocked, doing an exaggerated swaying motion with her shoulders. I just spent an hour or so throwing it on. Cabby did look incredible, in tight jeans that hugged her curves so beautifully. Kaya wished she was something other than just straight up and down. In a red top with the shoulders cut out, her friend was the kind of woman every man in this room would turn his head for, though Cabby couldn't care less about them. You here with anyone? Kaya shouted, her voice raised as the next song started. Cabby smiled and jerked her head in the direction of the bar where Imogen Tishop was bopping along with the music. You on a date? Kaya asked, incredulous. Cavi, I didn't think that was your style. Hit it and quit it usually, but we were chatting in the changing rooms this afternoon and she's cute, so we're on a date. I'm happy for you, she said, nudging her pal. You gonna catch me up on everything that happens tomorrow morning at training? Every single... Cabby's words fell away as she caught sight of something that made her face drop. Kaya frowned following her gaze to a cluster of guys on the balcony that didn't seem that familiar until she spotted Chris. She whispered. He must have seen her at the exact same time as he was staring back with the slightest look of shock on his face. It was testament to how little Kaya liked going out that he was surprised to see her there. He nodded, just a tiny movement of his head in acknowledgement, and she gulped. Oh, shit, Cabby breathed. Guess they got in earlier than expected. It's okay, Kaya said, trying to ignore the clench in her stomach. I'm okay. You're a shocker, that's what you are. You look like you've seen a ghost. I just, I think I'm gonna go. Is that lame? No, no, Storm will get it. I'll mention it after the gig. Don't worry about it. I'd rather be home. Don't explain yourself to me. Flea is toxic ass. I'll update you in the morning. Thanks, Cabby. Kaya said, sweeping down to give her a kiss on the cheek. No probs. Get out of here. Cabby slapped her on the behind as she turned to leave, like she was a racehorse who needed the motivation. If Kaya hadn't been conscious of the fact that she was within Chris's line of sight, she probably would have sprinted from the building. Storm would be fine, she reasoned. He always was, and she never liked to hang around long once the band was swamped with groupies. She'd made an appearance, and now she was making an exit. She had a small tan leather handbag with her that didn't fit much more than her phone, some cash and her car keys. Kaya gripped the strap where it wrapped around her body, gently sliding her way between people as they squeezed into the hallway that was sole entry and exit to AstroSurf. That was quick, the bouncer remarked as she dashed past him. The second she was outside and inhaling the cool night air, she felt better. That was until she heard her name come from the lips of the very person she'd been trying to avoid. She froze, waiting a second to see if she'd imagined it. Nope, there it was. Kaya, he said for a third time. Wait, please. 
there were a few people milling about outside smoking and they looked towards her with interest, as if they were about to see some exciting drama unfold. Kaya didn't turn around. Instead, she walked away from the club and down the main street, which was mostly empty at this time of night in Coolangatta. She knew he had followed her. She could hear his footsteps. And when she was satisfied that they were far enough from prying eyes, she spun around to face him. He stumbled to an abrupt halt, steadying himself as she stared at him from just metres away. This was the closest they had been to each other in months, she realised. Kaya. Chris, that's the fourth time you've said my name now. What do you want? I... I want to talk to you. Now? Now you want to talk to me? Yes. Yeah, if you'll let me. I wanted to speak to you after the trial, but... Kaya didn't jump in to finish his sentence. She didn't know what words were supposed to fill that space, so she let it linger there as her mind did that awful thing minds do and brought up everything she didn't want to be thinking about in that moment. She thought about the first time she and Chris had kissed on the beach at a party a friend of his had thrown. She thought about the way his lips had tasted and how she thought it was sweet that he had held her hand. She thought about losing her virginity to him in her own bed when her father had been out of town. She thought about all the times he had seen her naked, explored her body and all the weakness in herself that she had left exposed to him. She thought about the first time he had told her he loved her. He had said it first. And she thought about how excited she was when she had first realised they were truly, officially a couple. All of these poisonous thoughts ran through her head as they stood across from each other. Her in a short white summer dress that fell to mid-thigh and him in a pair of cargo shorts with a shirt that had the Dirty Boogs logo splashed across the front. I didn't think you'd be back this early, Kaya said, breaking the silence between them. I, uh, yeah. Me and a few of the others flew in this morning. Everyone else arrives on Wednesday. Kaya nodded, shivering slightly in the breeze. She didn't know what else to say. This was super weird and super uncomfortable. Listen, he said, taking a step closer. He was clearly as uneasy as she was, his hands running through his thick brown hair, which was tied into a loose bun on top of his head. Chris was hot, really hot, and Kaya despised that about him in that moment. Like everyone in the sport, he was tanned and his body was ripped. But where Kaya was tall and lithe, Chris was short and stocky. Storm had always joked that he had short man syndrome, but that hadn't stopped the two of them hanging out together. I know I fucked up, Chris pressed. After everything that happened, I know I should have been there for you. But I've known the Tylers since I was a kid, Kaya. They're friends with my dad and the whole situation, well, it just looks so bad. Kaya said nothing. She stood there in silence. Her only response was to blink at him. I know I should have called or texted or something, but everyone was picking sides. Kaya shrugged, throwing up her hands in a non-committal way. I don't know what you expect me to say to that, Chris. It's a new year, a new season. I know we can't go back to the way things were, but I just want to know everything is okay between us. She felt her mouth drop open with shock at that comment. Genuine shock. Her heartbeat seemed to be thudding through her temple as his words repeated in her head. 
Kai moved her lips to say something, anything, but she couldn't formulate a sentence. Instead, she took a step backwards, then another, before spinning on her heel and walking away from him. She didn't move quickly. In fact, she felt as if she was moving incredibly slowly as she continued her route back to the car. He called after her once, twice, but there wasn't a third time. He must have given up as she proceeded to ignore him. By the time she buckled her seatbelt and started the engine, Kaya finally was able to close her mouth, which had been hanging open like a flytrap since she left Chris behind. She stalled the car twice on the way home, something she never did, as she took the back streets towards her house, driving in a daze. Cabby skipped swimming training the next morning, and so did Imogen Tishop. Kaya took that as a sign things had gone well on their date, but selfishly she wished her friend was there for companionship. When she'd arrived home the night before, she crept into the house, not wanting to alert her father to her presence. She could hear the television upstairs playing repeats of Sons of Anarchy, his favourite show, so she knew he was up, but she hadn't wanted to face him in that moment. She was still unnerved by the whole Chris situation and her emotions would have been painted all over her face. Thankfully, the family dog, Quint, was her co-conspirator. She fed the German Shepherd a treat from the stash she kept in her bedroom to keep the eight-year-old quiet. Kaya had barely slept that night, tossing and turning, so that when her alarm went off, it actually felt like a relief to have something to do. That feeling was short-lived, however, as BB was in another vicious mood and punished the squad with almost two hours of clocked 50-metre sprints. By the time she pulled up in her driveway, the lack of sleep and abundance of exercise was catching up with her. Kaya felt exhausted as she slipped out of the car, her limbs like liquid. Kid Kai. Hey, Dad, she said, ducking down to accept a suffocating hug as her father met her on the driveway. Quint barked and jumped around them, trying to work out how he could take part in this human gesture. You just finished training. How's the old ball bag? Ew, Kai flinched. I hate it when you call BB that. Why do all you surf rats have nicknames that centre around dicks or balls? Tradition? I don't know. He shrugged. Get your butt inside though, kiddo. I'm making tacos. Tacos? Breakfast tacos. As if on command, Kai's stomach let out a rumble that reminded her just how starving she was. She followed her dad inside, dashing away for a rushed hot shower before returning in her most comfortable satin pyjamas as she towel-dried her hair. She rapped on Storm's door as she passed, knowing that he'd be pissed if he slept through one of their father's breakfasts. Casey was happily humming to himself as he worked away in the kitchen, his hand tapping to the beat of a hoodoo guru's song playing from the speakers. Where did you learn this recipe? Kaya asked, knowing that it must have been something newly acquired on his trip. Ah, we had this great Samoan fixer in Hawaii by the name of Uli. Unbelievable cook. Wasn't even his job, but he could whip up a crock and bush in the middle of a storm cell if he felt like it. Anyway, I managed to get him to teach me this and another dish that will be a surprise for dinner tonight. Oh yeah, Dad's on dinner duty, Storm whipped, emerging from his room with wild hair and his arm half inside a shirt that he was throwing over his head. Casey grinned at him as he pulled up a stool next to Kaya at the bench. 
Morning, mate. Nice to have you with us. There was a distant call of Sia, followed by the front door closing, and Kaya cast her brother a sidewards glance. What was her name? Beck, but with a K. She made a real point of making sure I knew it was with a K and not a C. She probably didn't want you to confuse her with her friend Beck with a C who you shagged last week. Storm snorted. I did not shag anyone called Beck C or K last week. Also, can we not discuss who I'm rooting while Dad makes us breakfast? Firstly, Casey started spinning around. You've been working your way through the alphabet since you turned 16, so Kyra and I are both used to it by now. Secondly, I don't mind what you do in this house as long as your kids are safe. I was cool with Kaya having Chris stay over and... Her dad looked uncomfortable for a moment, glancing briefly at her before back to Storm, who was shaking his head ever so gently. Anyway, he continued. Point is, I made breakfast tacos. That was the point? Kaya remarked, her sass almost immediately evaporating as KC slid a hefty plate in front of her. Good God. Storm breathed, looking down at the feast. Wait, their dad cautioned, grabbing his phone and poising it over their plates. Let me just get a quick pick to send Uli. There. Dig in. The meal tasted as good as it looked, with Kaya groaning in pleasure at the first bite. A mix of tomato salsa, egg, bacon, avocado, and the tiniest hint of spice in the aftermath. The three of them were dead quiet, the only sound being generated from Quint, who shuffled between each family member, depending on who would toss him a leftover. So, Kaya said, voice somewhat muffled through a mouthful. The trip was a bust? Yeah, we were spewing, KC replied. The low blew itself out before it even got to us. You got nothing, Storm asked. There was a messy little six-foot swell, which was good to shoot some aerial manoeuvres on with the GoPro. Nothing great, though. Good people, shit conditions. How was the gig last night? Awesome, Kaya and Storm said in unison. It was sick, Storm continued. Greg, their regular drummer, has been on and off most of the tour, so they've been switching people in and out. They want me to play again tonight in a secret show they're doing. That's great, Storm, Kaya beamed. Do you reckon they'll ask you to join full-time? I don't know, he said, pausing with a mouthful midway to his lips. There's a lot of complicated contract shit they'd have to work out before that happened. I don't mind filling in casually. How was training? Ugh, hectic. My shoulders are killing me. You did gym afterwards again? Her brother asked. Yeah. You gotta ease up on that, right, Dad? Storm's got a point. You need to be careful not to burn yourself out during the off-season. Kai tossed Quint a scrap of bacon, which he gulped almost instantaneously. Listen, Storm started, collecting their plates as they all finished up. What else have you got on today? Mm, board training the Savo, then that's it. Okay, well, how about I run you through some stretches beforehand? Just a light Pilates workout on the deck. I know your problem areas. Yeah? she said, getting to her feet. That would be great. I think I'm going to crash now and have a nap, but in a few hours? It's on like Pong. Kaya left the two men of her family chatting casually in the kitchen, sighing with relief as she curled up with a thick doona that lay across her bed. 
For whatever reason, she never had her horrific nightmares during the day, only at night. Her mattress squeaked as Quint jumped up, following his tail in a circle for a moment before he settled down beside her. Please let me sleep, she whispered. Please, just let me sleep. Like, if it wasn't for her face, she would totally look like a man. I know, right? I can't believe Chris went out with her for two years. What did he even see in her? Mm, her money, duh. Her dad's super rich and famous. Please, he's Gold Coast famous at best. You know, I heard her brother. Oh, he's really hot though. Whatever. Her brother manages their dad's social media for like a job. That actually sounds great though. I would nail that. Kai had been listening to this shit for the last five minutes, hoping for the love of God that the two gossips would move their boards into the gear lockup quicker so she could leave. She'd been putting hers back into storage at the rear of the shed after training when they had trailed in after her with their crafts. Not realising she was there, they launched into a full-on dissection of her life while simultaneously blocking the exit so Kaya couldn't get out without having to walk past them. It was close to her worst nightmare, standing there in the shadows as she heard all of the most horrible things people imagined about her and her family vocalised. Her eyes were stinging and she told herself it was because of the choppy, windy conditions that afternoon, which had seen salt water blowing into her eyes for the past hour and 20 minutes. It was nothing to do with what they were saying. Nothing at all. Finally, the girls started to move away, their voices growing faint as they headed towards the change rooms. Carefully, quietly, Kai tiptoed out of the darkness. Her bag was waiting on the concrete just a few metres away and she skipped the idea of a shower, wanting the sanctuary of her car instead. Throwing a towel down on the seat so her wet sports bikini didn't soak through, she jumped into her ride and turned the radio up as loud as she could stand it. It didn't matter what was playing, she wasn't listening to it anyway. She just needed the noise as she pulled out of the club car park and started the drive home. She only lived 10 minutes away from Middle Beach, but she was halfway home when she realised that was not where she wanted to go. Kaya found driving therapeutic. It soothed her, yet it wasn't working today. She needed to clear her head. She needed to go somewhere she wouldn't be seen. Driving away from the beach and towards a more suburban section of the Gold Coast, Kaya planned to go to a place she thought would be quiet as the day progressed into early evening. Lake Palutz was a sprawling, man-made freshwater lake that was the basis for the name of the suburb she began driving through, the lakes. It was one of the few bodies of water on the Gold Coast that didn't connect to anything else. That is to say, although the southeast coast of Australia was home to some of the best surfing breaks in the world, the beaches were just the beginning. The entire city was once a swamp but now was wedged between a labyrinth of canal and river systems stemming from the ocean and winding through into the mountains. Looking at the Gold Coast on an aerial map, there was just as much water as landmass. On the rare occasions Kaya had come to Lake Palutz, she had liked it because there was a long footpath that ran along its perimeter. Perfect for a five-kilometre circuit. The lakes were also inhabited by rich retirees, or older, child-free couples. This was ideal, because you knew no one in that demographic. 
she could go for a run without bumping into a familiar face. Amen. Discreetly throwing some jogging clothes on over her wet ones, she did a few light stretches before cranking the volume on her iPod shuffle so the cars were blaring into her ears. She had grown up listening to her father's music and had never got over a love of 70s and 80s rock. Maintaining a steady pace, she slowly started to feel better as her body fell into a familiar pattern and she watched the fading light reflect on the water. It was dark before Kaya knew it and she relished the anonymity as she moved through the cool night air. When Dangerous Type came on through her headphones, her favourite song, she increased the volume until it couldn't go any higher. It wasn't surprising that Kaya didn't pick up the sound of two extra sets of footfalls. She did sense something, however, and turned to see a pair of dark figures jogging in unison behind her. They were far enough back that she couldn't see their faces, but from their shape, she could tell they were men. Both were quite short, or at least smaller than her, which wasn't exactly a great measure of shortness. Turning around, she ignored them and told herself to relax. It was a beautiful evening, and there was no need to be alarmed. These were just two other people wanting to go for a run like her. When Kaya looked behind her again, they were closer. The Gold Coast was a relatively safe place, but like any growing city, there was crime. Murder, robbery, rape, even the occasional abduction. The Lakes was one of the safest suburbs she could possibly be in, so she tried to keep herself calm, collected, and quell that rising anxiety. She had already been on the homeward stretch when they appeared, and she spotted the incline of the hill that led to the car park some 500 metres in the distance. Increasing her pace slightly, Kai hit pause on her music so she could hear if they tried to move closer again. She did so a moment too late. The cars faded from her ears just as the thundering footsteps of a man sprinting towards her took over. She spun around in time to be tackled to the ground, the impact knocking the wind out of her and with it any ability to try and call for help. Dazed, Kai kicked as a man attempted to straddle her and was joined by his accomplice. They had both put on balaclavas. Panic spread through her as she realised these guys were seriously out to hurt her. Kai increased her thrashing and tried to roll the main one off her, but he was too stocky and too strong. A jarring blow to the side of her head, delivered by the second man, stopped any kind of resistance as sparky specks danced in front of her eyes. Her body stilled as she reeled from the hit. Hold her! One of them shouted at the other. Fucking help me then. Their voices were muffled through the material of their masks, but there was one thing that was unmistakable to Kaya, even in her dazed state, their South African accents. While they were arguing, she slowly moved her leg into position before slamming it upwards and kneeing the man on top of her in the back. He was taken by surprise and lurched forward with the impact. His grip on her hands loosened slightly as she was able to push him off and towards the other guy. She scrambled upwards and sprinted away from the two attackers as they stumbled over each other to catch her. Help! Kaya screamed. Her voice was no more than a rasp. She tried to clear her throat to shout again when her feet went out from under her. One of the men had made a dive and grabbed her ankle. She fell forward and felt her teeth pierce her bottom lip as she thudded onto the path. 
he dragged her backwards, Kai yelling out at the burning sensation as the concrete grazed along the side of her face. She had a second to wonder how they had managed to catch up to her so quickly before determining that they were fast on their feet, faster than she was. As one tried to secure her free leg, she kicked him square in the face, once, twice, three times, until he released her other leg as well. His accomplice caught up just in time and dived on top of her. He linked his hands around Kaya's throat and squeezed. <sighs> it was all she managed to get out as he tightened his grip. Kaya struggled to breathe, couldn't, and felt her legs and arms flailing uselessly beside her. With her last morsel of strength, she tried to scratch the man's face. Her hands could barely make an impact on him through the balaclava, so she went for the only part that was exposed to her, his eyes. They'd been staring down, full of menace and hate, when she pushed her fingers into them. He screamed and she pushed harder, feeling the soft texture squish under the pressure. As soon as he released her and clutched at his face, she was up again wasting no time in stumbling away from them. She knew they were quicker than she was and they both had a working set of windpipes. Kai was barely succeeding at staying on her feet as she lurched forwards, trying to suck in as much air as she could. If she couldn't outrun them, she was fairly certain she could outswim them. Teetering off the path and without a second thought, Kai dived into the lake. Being underwater and away from more air was the last thing she wanted so she pushed her way to the surface and began thrashing towards the centre. She hadn't thought any further ahead than getting in the water and swimming for her life, but she kicked off her sneakers as she swam and they started to weigh her down. Kaya's head was lowered as she charged forward, willing her legs to kick hard and her arms to move faster. Her thighs were powered with desperation as the water churned and she tried to get her six-beat kick going. If she could make it to the other side of the lake before the South Africans, where the houses were directly on the waterfront, then she could run inside one of them for help. Kai had barely set herself that goal when she felt fingertips brushing her toes. Not stopping for a second, she glanced backwards with a breath and saw that both men had jumped into the water after her. One was further behind and struggling, the one with the sore eyes, she assumed, while the other was right on her feet. She panicked, and in a bid to inhale another gulp of air, swallowed a mouthful of water. Choking, she had a moment to feel horrified at her decrease in speed as she stuck her head up to take a breath. A scream suddenly rang out in the night air, and unlike Kaya's, it was extremely loud. It was also masculine. She stopped swimming and looked back in the direction of where it had come from. One of the South Africans the one furthest away, had stopped swimming. He was treading water and looking around frantically, swiveling his head this way and that. A large splash broke the surface to his left. He tried to let out another scream, but it was cut short as he was pulled under the water. Only a few bubbles hinted that anyone had been there a few seconds earlier. All the fear Kaya felt was immediately discarded as she became distracted by a more immediate problem. The second South African ploughed into her, swimming headfirst directly into her body, and his head shot up to investigate the sudden stop in movement. His balaclava had slipped off his face, but Kai was unable to get a good look before he grabbed her shoulders and jerked her towards him, 
His fingers dug deep into her skin and she let out a yelp of pain. He was reaching for her face when a movement pulled him under the surface. He was still holding onto Kaya with a vice-like grip and she was dragged downward with him. The pair were being pulled at tremendous speed and water was whipping past their faces in cool streams as they went deeper and deeper. Kaya could hear the baritone sound of his attempt at screaming underwater as he was tossed to the side. Naturally, she was pulled in that direction as well. Her ears popped as she was tugged deeper once again. Everything was dark. The only source of light was dim, coming from the night sky above. Kaya looked down at the man who had once been her attacker. She could just make out the pinkish tinge of his skin and the whites of his eyes exposed in full horror. Following the direction of his stare, she let out a scream of her own as a hand slowly wrapped its fingers around the wrist of the man. There was a sudden gesture, and she heard a snap ring out in the silence of their underwater world. Instantly, the man released his grip on her, and a stream of bubbles extended from his mouth as he tried to yell. A dark and vaguely silver object abruptly covered her view of the man as it pushed him downwards with rapid speed. It wasn't until he was no longer visible to her that Kai recognised the heavy burn building in her chest as her lungs protested for air. She had been slowly floating back up, but with a glance skywards, she felt a whole new kind of fear. The surface was far, too far. She wasn't going to make it in time. Kaya started kicking her legs feverishly and tried to pull through the water with her arms. As the lava started spreading through her chest, she tried to increase her pace, desperate. I can't die like this, she thought. I can't drown. The faint glow of the starry sky above was beginning to fade as Kaya's vision blurred with the lack of oxygen. Her lungs were on fire, with every limb protesting equally as loud. She urged her hands to keep tugging, for her legs to keep kicking. Kaya's last tangible thought was of Brie Tyler. It was fitting, she mused, that she should die the way Brie had, underwater and alone. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.